0: Good news, you're here just in time. Here's another Laneway Talks. Welcome everybody to Laneway Talks. Uh, In this episode we'll be talking to Chris Turner, uh, a tried and true guitarist uh, from Australia, we won't say from the UK, and we're going to uh, look at his life in music. Good afternoon, Chris, how are you?
1: G'day Vince, how you doing?
0: I'm um, very good, thanks. So um, as we start all our podcasts, tell us a bit about where you came from. You're Australian, uh, you know, and where did you grow up?
1: All right. Well, I grew up in uh, South London, about 12 miles. I mean, it's what, 20 k's from um, from London. Um, I uh, went to a, a dubious school called Hawes which is <laughs> not a good start in life. But right. um, anyway, different spelling. Um, I got uh, interested in the guitar about uh, 11 or 12, and um, one of the tracks, the songs that made me interested in the guitar was
0: El Paso by Marty Robbins. Well, tell me first. So uh, you're living in in the UK. What age did you move to Australia?
1: Uh, Well, first my parents bought some land in New Zealand, so I went with them when I was 17 to New Zealand, um, just out of Auckland. And I tried for five years to uh, to get gigs and run bands and do that, but it was hopeless. It was just no work. It was too it was too small. Too small. The government used to take fifty percent of your yeah. uh, band income, and uh, you had to survive on the fifty percent till yeah. halfway through the following financial year. It yeah. was just shocking. It yeah. was it was um, no dancing allowed in the pub. Just shocking.
0: Well, let's uh, let's just pull it back from there then. So I just wanted to get that out of the way. Let's go back to the UK then, because you're there till you're about 17. When did you pick up a guitar?
1: Uh, When I was 12.
0: Okay, so you're a bit of a late bloomer there, really, aren't you?
1: Yeah, well, 12 is, um, you know, like I sort of, someone showed me a guitar, and as I say, Marty Robbins, the guitar work in that track is phenomenal. And, uh, of course, I didn't know who it was or what was going on. I just liked the sound of the guitar, so... My parents bought me an acoustic guitar, and I was hopelessly trying to copy that sort of stuff. Um, Did you teach yourself,
0: or did you go to lessons when you got that guitar?
1: I had a couple of lessons on the acoustic guitar. Mm. Uh, My parents paid for those. I didn't learn much, so what I did is I I bought the sheet music to the stuff that I liked, and by then it was um, was skiffle music, Mm. and... um, Yeah, so skiffle and then the shadows came along. So I was also teaching myself from the sheet music and copying the records, of course, slowing the records down like we could do in those days. So, um, yeah, that that's really where I got going and then I decided in my youthful arrogance to start a band. So I've got But you were essentially
0: essentially you taught yourself to play, correct? Yes. Yeah. Uh,
1: until I got to Australia where I went to the Academy of Guitar and the Conservatory of Music.
0: Yeah. Okay. We'll um, we'll, we'll, we'll come to that. So we we'll, so you've got this uh, you know, and I say very lucky, rich uh, uh music background in the sense that you're in the UK and the UK was where where it was all happening there was no doubt about it um, yes for you know sure. we copied as you just told us about New Zealand there's nothing happening there that's why they all come to Australia um, and um, you know but you, you're in that real and you're in London so you're in the thick of it I mean it must have been such a good time to be uh, roaming around as a budding musician as a young
1: teenager yes, well, the the, uh, the the people around me when I was twelve and thirteen. I mean, I used to uh, I used to uh, probably was about fourteen. I used to see Bill Wyman and his motorbike and sidecar with his his wife on the back on the pillion <laughs> and his amp and guitar sticking out the sidecar. <laughs> so I mean, that was the people. Um, David Bowie used to be at the local gigs um, with his incarnations of his band. Yeah, uh, Peter Frampton did a number of shows. On the same bill with Frampton, Bowie, uh, Steve Marriott. Um, is that before you know, he joined?
0: Th- is that before he joined Humble Pie?
1: Oh yes, way before. He had a band called Steve Marriott's Moment, which turned into the Small Faces. Yeah, and they had uh, they huge, huge hits in yeah. in London. Mm. Um, All or nothing. And- La La La
0: and, and Peter Frampton yeah. didn't join till they became Humble Pie correct that's right yes yeah. no both both of us wanted to play with Steve <laughs> he got the gig <laughs> well but, you know uh, well, interestingly you know watching the small faces you could i mean if you look i suppose if you look at the really early small faces it's at 60 sound but when you get towards the end of that small faces he's really getting into that Rhythm and Blues Rock, isn't he? Uh, yes, well, he got the Amer- American influence, didn't he? Yeah. And, you know, and then you get this band, so that disbands and you get this band called Humble Pie, who no. form, and that's a quintessential uh, English rock band, really, weren't they? They are there with...
1: Well, they were was heavy, weren't
0: they? Heavy yeah, rock band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but
1: uh, what you've got to remember as well is that the faces, when Stevie left, they got Rod Stewart in, uh, and they became the faces. Right. Um, you know, what? You know
0: they, they out, of all, out of all, every, everything I've been through in my life, and I've got some of Rod Stewart in the faces, I didn't know it was the small faces with Steve Marriott, and then it became the faces with Rod Stewart. I never knew that.
1: Yeah, well, see, they were they were knocking around in South London. They didn't have a singer, so um, you know, Rod didn't have much happening. So, um, yeah, they brought him in and um, same guys.
0: I, I have uh, this absolutely fantastic vinyl of... The faces with Rod Stewart and is it Tetsu Onbase, the Asian yes. guy? Oh, unbelievable yep. record, just fantastic. Yes. I've, I've got a number of records. Of, yeah, fantastic. So rock did and you? Rock. Did so you'd left by the time they'd really been? They'd started getting on or? Yeah.
1: No, no. I I left in 1965, so I was I was there for the for the the, the, all this stuff around London, all these gigs. Um, I supported um, supported Bowie. Although we were all on the same same bill, is probably a better way to put it. My band uh, Frampton. Uh, Stevie Marriott um, with his uh, Steve Marriott moment. Oh yeah. Um, so um, yeah, I mean there was so many. I supported like Johnny Dankworth and Cleo Lane and open well, his- Cleo
0: Lane. There's a name, isn't it? Hey. Eh?
1: Yeah. So I mean they, I mean they just, I mean they, all these blokes walked on stage at big stage open air concert, and they all walked on with chairs. I thought what's what's going on here? And they all sat down, put the put the music in front, of them and off they not They they just blew us off the stage, you know. Well, well
0: tell me—you've gone to New Zealand. After New Zealand, you obviously come to Australia, but yes. why would you not have gone back to the UK? Was there a, was it was it a family thing? A fear of not yes.
1: being with? Yeah, I didn't want to get that far from their mother and father. Yeah, um, and also I knew because I what um, Kevin Borage was. We used to pass our bandwagons used to pass in, in Auckland and. Yeah. I knew that he'd gone over there and I was starting to read the trademarks. Was that the Lardy Dars?
0: That's the Lardy Dars? Yeah. Yeah,
1: Yeah, the Lardy Dars, yeah. Yeah. And he was doing all right. So I thought, fuck it, this, I'm going to go over there and see. And I did mean to come back to New Zealand, but I never
0: did. But Um, did your parents stay in New Zealand? Yes, yes. Okay, gotcha. So then you've gone yeah. over to the, what we call the big smoke, all right? Yeah. And what we now call going to America, the big smoke. But anyway, it's a hop, skip, and a jump. Um, yeah. So you get over here. What happens? I mean, how, what do you what do you do? You, I, I, as you just said, you you know Kevin's over here, uh, and there's a lot of yeah. other New Zealand. I mean, who was that uh, that Maori uh, singer who was? In the late 60s. Oh,
1: Lou, Lou Rolls?
0: No, no, he was absolutely unbelievable. Um, and he was... Oh, Leo Castro. That's the one. Oh, my God. Yeah, Leo. What a singer.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. oh, brilliant. And um, he he was another one I followed, really. Yeah. Um, over from Auckland. And, um, well, what happened to me was that I ended up in a flat in Bondi, of course. Yeah. And uh, within two weeks, I'd answered an ad... I answered a few ads um, from this band that was forming in uh, Wentworth, of all places, which um, took me a bus, a train and a cab to get to the audition. And they were a package show signed up to go to Vietnam. Oh. And I got the gig.
0: Can Can I ask you at that stage too, because you've come over from New Zealand, it's kind of coming your first gig here, but what kind of guitar are you playing?
1: I had a gold top, a Les Paul gold top.
0: Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah and. Um, I haven't seen. And you what happened? A lot of uh, Les Pauls. You're a real Fender man, aren't you?
1: I yeah, I'm a Telecaster man, really. know. Yeah. But yeah. um, I'd left my Telecaster in New Zealand. Right. Um, because I thought Australia was more rock and roll. I, mean, I, don't, know, I don't know why I brought that one, but um, <laughs> well, good, well, good one, good one anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what happened to me at the Auckland airport was that I'd say I'd sold my uh, Zephyr Zephyr Six, yeah. my car. Yeah, I got all the money I could get together, mm. and I had five hundred dollars mm. to come to Australia, and the, which is a lot of money, it, isn't it? It's a lot of money. It was in those days. But the New Zealand uh, tax department uh, stopped me at the airport and took $490 $490 off. No, $410 off. I had $90 to come to Australia.
0: What was that that payment for?
1: uh, It was was just theft. You know, there was no computers in those days. They reckoned that the uh, other band members that I'd had hadn't paid their tax. So I was responsible. No, I mean, It's what? A, That's insane. It's <laughs> insane. It, uh, it, uh, well, I was, I was, I was uh, really worried because, I, like, ninety dollars not a lot of money. No. When you got to get a flat, you got to get a comm You, you, you know, you, you don't know what's going on in a new country. Yeah. We hadn't had no contacts. I just had to start from from scratch. You know, I had a suitcase and a guitar. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, So, um, I, but anyway, yeah. so. Yeah, so I got the gig um, in this package show. Within a, a week, we were off to Mount Isa for a six-week stint, and that was the Wild West up there in those days, the miners. Oh, really? Yeah, they still had hitching rails in the main street for horses.
0: <laughs> <What>? <laughs> I mean, what were you thinking when you see that? I mean, what going, what the hell am I doing here?
1: Well, I was at that point because say, I say that's where I got to the ninety dollars. But I was happy to have any work, mm. and they were paying good money. So, um, yeah, I mean, I knew that I'd come back from Mount Isa with some um, with some money. So, a, who, who a was in coin- the
0: band? Anybody known?
1: Well, there's Charlie Ferugia, who I'm still working with.
0: Yeah, I know that.
1: And, uh, there was a bloke called. Uh, Oh, I can't remember the name. So we we had a girl, girl singer, mm. Lynn Morgan, mm. who's unfortunately gone now. Yeah, so John Shaw, I don't know whether you know
0: him, he was a no. recording artist.
1: No. Anyway, um, but yeah, so... It, so that all it,
0: happens uh, and you come back to Sydney, correct?
1: Yes, and in the meantime, the uh, agency had booked us in, into the Philippines and Vietnam.
0: Right. So I... Any qualms? Yeah, Any about going to Vietnam? Not
1: yeah, worried? well, I mean the obvious ones, you know, like hang on, it's a war zone. Yeah, um, yeah exactly. But they were paying at that, spot, I think it was one hundred and fifty dollars US.
0: Yeah, which is which, a lot, which
1: when, is thousands now. Well, that, I mean the average um, electrician was earning forty bucks a week. Mm. So and the American American dollar was worth twice, so it was three hundred bucks a week, and the average bloke. A tradesman was earning forty, but so yeah, mm, that's good money. The money overcame, but um, so
0: off you go uh, off to Vietnam, do your <clears throat> your stint as a uh, you know as an artist, and you yep. and you get back. So what do you think?
1: Hang on, it's not quite that. Oh, is this? <laughs> okay, <laughs> right, okay. Well, we did the uh, two week tour of of the Philippines, which yeah. was hard work. Um, the tour manager carried a gun. I mean, it was that wild.
0: Well, funny, you, funny you should say that because I went, I flew into the Philippines, probably thirty years ago, right? Yes. Yeah. As we fly in and we get into the airport, you know, around the airport, it's a shanty town. There's, you know, basically uh, our roofs, you know, made of. Um, tin uh, there's all these little shanty houses that's right yeah. those tent. you know i think gee what's going on here and we we get in and we taxi up to the um, you know whatever to get out and we're only there for a couple of hours and everything is surrounded there's army people everywhere with machine guns and i go was well, there some that's kind it? of commotion going on they go no they're here every day strike right. what the, <laughs> yes. what the hell what's going on
1: here yes it it was a wild town and um, as I say our tour manager was was armed and if we wanted to stop and get a hamburger or something like yeah. that he'd come with us yeah. with his gun out yes um and it was very strange but I did we were staying at this slash hotel in Manila and there was a uh, 15 piece band playing downstairs. They were doing exact covers. I couldn't believe that they were doing Beach Boys. They were doing. They were doing your set. They were doing your set. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Anyway, I would hold up uh, because they must have recognized a musician and I, you know. Did a couple of tunes with them, but um, I mean, I—that I, was my first experience of Filipino bands that copy everything exactly. <laughs> yeah, gotcha. Got, you. you know, completely parrot fashion, uh, and do it well yeah. too.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Anyway, so that—that that was, um, that was the Philippines, Then we went on to Vietnam.
0: Yeah. Did now, you do any American then? bases in Manila? In uh, in
1: uh, yes, that's what we were doing. We were we were hired by the American Army.
0: Right. That,
1: that was the, uh, you know, the the American agent was dealing with our Australian agent. Mm. Um, and I'm sure there was an awful lot of money going missing in, yeah. in between them, you know.
0: So All right, now, where do we go so, to
1: from there? Right, from there, we did three months of um, three shows a day, seven days a week. We had two Vietnamese dancers with us.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and our still our girl singer. Well, that um,
0: can't be a bad thing.
1: Well, it turns out that um, I upset one of these um, Vietnamese dancers. Yeah. Um, and she dogged me in to the uh, the uh, local Gestapo.
0: Oh, yeah. Who
1: was her cousin. Oh. And so on the last night of the tour, yeah. I got hauled out with a gun in front of my face. Yeah. And um, supposedly busted for drugs. But, um, yeah, so I got thrown in jail and
0: everyone else went home. So how long did you have to stay there for?
1: Well, the, the the law in in uh, uh, the Philippines is French law, so you're guilty until you prove yourself innocent. Right. So I was locked up, right, uh, with no help. the The only person who helped me, and God love her, to this day, was the girl from the agency, yeah. Helen, who um, fought for me, you know, and uh, got me a lawyer and did all this and. Um, because um, obviously there was um, there was no drugs. It was you know there was yeah. nothing on me. Anyways, the second court, I got pronounced guilty on the first court case, not guilty on the second court case because um, they didn't have any evidence. Yeah. So I escaped. So I um, I ran to the airport and um, got on a
0: plane got the
1: hell out got a, and never uh, been back since. <sighs> yes. Well, to see my sentence, if I'd have been. Got guilty on the second was uh, life or death. Um,
0: That's fantastic. Death
1: by firing squad or life imprisonment.
0: Yeah, unbelievable.
1: So it unbelievable. was quite a shock um, that all of a sudden I'm sort of cruising along playing the guitar and next minute I'm facing the death penalty. Yeah, so fantastic. I was quite pleased to get out.
0: It's amazing at the the level of um, sadistic violence and uh, unfair play that occurs around the world. If we only just look at Russia, what's going on there right now? And I, I, I saw an article, you know, on that um, yesterday, which was basically saying it's just a country run by the mafia. They're just the mob, yeah. And you know, yeah. different factions are involved. i was just thinking, hey, this is just a- what it all revolves around is money, money, more money, money money and more money um and you know there you go it's hap- it was happening then what 40 50 years yeah. ago in-
1: well see i was i was so innocent um, i mean all i wanted to play the guitar and make a racket you know mm. and um i was quite happy going along and this the, you know i upset this girl over luggage or something i i can't remember but um she 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 did for me and um, that she was ruthless, you know. Yeah I've, yeah, I've got a photo of her, actually. but Yeah, uh, yeah but, um, uh, so when I got to Singapore, I, um, uh, I just went nuts, I, you know, I mean, you know, <laughs> got to the hotel in Singapore, and uh, yeah, I was so relieved to get out of there. Oh, yeah. And um, taught me a lesson um, well, um, in life, um, yeah. that you've got to look after yourself, better off smiling at people than telling them what you think, you know. Yeah absolutely it really taught me a lesson um so when i got back to australia i uh, i formed a, another band um, it was called the action mm. it was more of a rock and roll band than
0: a show band mm. um,
1: we went on the road for about two years um oh really yeah so um, what are we, we talking
0: here 70 71
1: 71 going into
0: 72
1: yeah okay and what um, time, what
0: genre are we doing
1: well, it was getting more rock and roll. It was getting more English rock and roll. Um, not much blues in those days because no. the crowds didn't like it.
0: Yeah, okay. So they
1: weren't familiar with it. No. Um, You know, we were doing a bit of James Brown and that, but I, I'm not really a funky, funky yeah. player. So we did. Uh, we did like three, uh, three months in uh, well, for Rocky, three months in Townsville, three months in Brisbane, three months in Melbourne. Um, it was like that, and I, I didn't um get back to Sydney for, for almost two years.
0: Were you earning any money?
1: Oh, good money. Really yeah. good money.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah.
1: Good. They were paying really good money because you were working six nights a week, you see, and they'd sub- accommodation supplied.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: You know, either be a motel or, or a house. Well, um, well,
0: well as, and as we know, as most hotels or pubs in those days, um, I know a lot of gigs weren't at pubs, but uh, pubs had accommodation upstairs you know that's right you know well, uh, we
1: did we yeah. did a, somewhere in croydon in melbourne there croydon that's not far from melbourne is it there was another yeah, gig we correct. did three months and and that was that was upstairs it was very really old australian accommodation mm. but we had a ball there three yeah. months
0: Yeah, yeah yeah so okay the action what does that come to a conclusion after a couple of years
1: Yes, yes. Well, what happened there? I decided that I was going to get creative and try and get a record deal, and uh, I started a an eight piece band
0: with two a- drummers. Had two you books. been writing your own original material during this time? Yes, I was starting to do it then. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, an eight piece yes, uh, band, an eight piece. Two drummers. You? That's unbelievable.
1: Well, I had the money, you see. Yeah. I was earning the money.
0: Yes, had two drummers. Why two drummers? Only doobie um, brothers did that, didn't
1: they? Yes. Well, there's a number of bands that um, influenced me that did that, and and one was more of a percussionist, oh, uh, yeah, and okay. one was the yeah. drummer sort of thing, you know. Yeah. So yeah. and I had I had um, alto sax and tenor sax, mm. keyboards, guitar, bass. I went down to Checkers, which was a nightclub nice yeah. in Sydney. Yeah, um, and said to Mr. Casey down there, I said, "Look, I've got eight-piece band. I'm looking for a gig. The agent won't book me." Um, he said, "Well, look, if you if you do a, an hour spot on Saturday night when it's packed, yeah, we'll see what you do." Yeah, okay. So I <laughs> I had to rehearse the guys setting up the gear. Yeah, we had 15 minutes to set up and pull down between
0: between oh, the main act it's hard work the, the, the old gear up on stage and gear off stage it's hard work
1: yes it's it, well uh, but we. I had to rehearse the guys actually doing this when we our last couple of rehearsals were actually putting up and pulling down um, and getting it out the back of checkers anyway we we played well we did our, our set they loved it yep. Um, and uh, I did like 9 or 10 years at checkers wow regularly and of course, I trimmed the band down as the money, you know, went got down. Thinner. So yeah, yeah, it got thinner. So um, dropped it down thinner.
0: So now, now do, you're but, talking nine years. Okay, it's a long time. Yeah. What are you doing in between there? You must be doing other things. You couldn't just be doing that.
1: No. Well, uh, well, I studied the uh, uh, the jazz and rhythm. At the Conservatory of Music. Yeah. Part time. Yes. I joined Buffalo.
0: Okay. This is in that spider time. 75, 74
1: or 5. I joined Buffalo for a couple of years. Yeah. And I'm recorded with them. I recorded the band Drain, of course, but I couldn't get a deal, you
0: know, of Dra- course. Drain, you know, we, and we, you haven't got any <laughs> tapes of that, have you? No. I think you no, said you I threw them that, out. Yeah. yeah, I think I threw everything out, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: it, well, it took, it took the Drain was because that it got that name because that's where you put all your, your money, your yeah. time, your rehearsal, your relationship, you know. Creativity, everything went in down this train. Yeah. <laughs> so people started calling it that. So,
0: uh, well, how did you, you find? Know. How did you find your time with Buffalo? You know, and it was only for the one record. So, and it was at the yeah. tail end of their career.
1: Well, it's just before Dave went to they Eng- tired yeah. went to England. Um, he lost interest in the Buffalo and,
0: and joint. They were squabbling. Yeah, the Yeah,
1: they were squabbling. Squabbling with Sab Chase, their manager, and. Yeah. Um, so I joined at a pretty rough time. Yeah. Uh, we did, did the album. We, we toured. We did tours with, like, Richie Blackmore and yeah. and uh, people like that. And um, it was 18 months, two years, something like that. Mm. Pete Wells left to join to start Rose Tattoo.
0: So he and was I there went. at the beginning when you were with the Buffalo? Oh, yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, yeah. No, me and Pete got on real good. We were real good mates. All right. So, um he wanted me to go and join Rose Tattoo with him, but I didn't want to get tattoos.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's a personal thing, isn't it?
1: And also, I, I wasn't real keen on his, uh, his management team. So, uh, yeah, gotcha. Yeah, and, and also, the Chris Turner Band was earning more money that, that, than... Um,
0: so, um, know, we've uh, finished with Buffalo, then you've started yep. the Chris Turner Band.
1: The Chris Turner Band had been going since the end of Drain. i changed it to the Chris Turner so that, Band. So was that late 70s? No, this is probably 74, 75, 76, somewhere around there, right, the Chris gotcha. Turner Band came. Yeah. Changed, you know, sort of morphed. Yeah. But the uh, even when I was playing with Buffalo, I was still doing Chris Turner gigs. Right. Um, so um, I just continued, you know, the band and... Uh, the funny thing was when I was doing Buffalo, the packed houses. I wasn't getting paid. And when I was doing Chris Turner band to Checkers on a Monday night, I was getting paid. Everyone was getting paid.
0: Funny about, funny about that, isn't it? Eh?
1: Yeah. Well, this is what I say about um, when Pete moved to Rose Tattoo. It was the yeah. same thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, I'd do like a week's tour with them to packed houses, like 1,200 people, yeah. and not get paid. Yeah. yeah. I'd drive to Melbourne, um, not get paid. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, we, we all know who, who they yeah. were. <laughs> yeah,
0: no, that's right. That's right. We've, so I've seen it all before. So, so therefore, yeah. you go, look, I'm not doing the... Ro- I've played with the Rose Tattoo a bit, and I'm not doing that. So, what are you thinking?
1: Well, at this point, I I'd, um, signed up with RCA Victor. Yeah. Um, who turned out they just wanted me for a tax loss. Oh, so, they, really? they dumped, they dumped the, the film clips and... Um, you know, I had a thousand posters printed up, which they lost. Uh, they lost the master tapes. They, obviously, it was just a tax write-off. Um, so, is
0: this so is that, this my guitar and me? Yes. Right. Okay. Yes. So, so nineteen eighty. So,
1: yeah. So that um that was starting to go, and um it you know it was there was a bit of a thing because the band was out there working six seven nights a week. Mm. Um. And um but obviously the record company didn't, didn't didn't want it to go, you know, David Bowie's Christmas record and all the rest, you it, you know, all the yeah all that stuff, you know.
0: So um well, it's always take the easy round out, not take the hard one where you gotta work hard. You know. <laughs> that's what they do. <laughs> all right. Yeah, yeah, of course.
1: Yeah. So look, in nineteen eighties I formed Big Rock Records. Because this is a, I thought to myself, this is a modest game. I, you know, I'm never going to be David Bowie or, or whatever, but I can still sell product. you know. So yeah. I got together with a business partner and we we formed Big Rock. We, you know, still started, going.
0: And started distributing other people's work. Well, tell me when, uh, my guitar and me comes out, and as you say, it doesn't do anything. They don't back it and whatever. So the band that's playing with Stacy K. What band yeah. is that? Because that's, that's in the, the band. That's the but is that so? That's prior to my guitar and me, or is it after? Uh,
1: that was a, that was a part. She was a part of the band. I got her in as a backing singer. Yeah, um, but
0: was so was that? Did that continue after my guitar and me for a while?
1: Yeah, yeah. And the yeah, reason up, the reason I bring it up
0: 80. is because you've got the live album out, um, and as we can tell listeners, the live album. I'm just kind of bringing it up now. It's live, yep. 79 to 84, and yep. off that record, uh, which isn't well, actually isn't on that. There there is a video out also, which is up online on our YouTube channel, and all right, and the and the song Tush. Uh, where Stacey K sings it has yeah. had enormous streams. I don't know, fifty, hundred, thousand streams on YouTube. Right. On YouTube, we didn't have the song for the audio release. It, it didn't come with. Alright, whatever you gave Four us. Yeah, and okay. we know the story how that all came about. But and that's why I bring it up and say there was the, you know you had this singer Stacey K and. You know, Tush has been a song that you've covered a few times and always gets yes. a good response. And But then this album, which is this live album, yeah, which goes to 84. So you've got this band that's touring. And I mean, you're pulling big crowds at that time. Yes, yes, we were. We were doing good, yeah. You know, and, and so, it, I mean, that just shows, you know, that, you know, we were still in the thick of the pub scene. Uh, You know, and we know all our local artists that were uh, happening at the time, the mentals, um, you know, Hoodoo Gurus were starting, Celebrate Rifles were starting, everybody. It was really thick with music. And here you are doing these shows. And I think that was recorded in Adelaide to a packed house. Now, you know, Adelaide's a hard city to crack. There is no doubt about it.
1: So. Yeah, we def- definitely had a groundswell. I mean, and the, the thing is that um, we were playing rock and roll, just no frills rock and roll. I well, mean, who who so. was in
0: that band? That in that
1: oh look, I revolving got, door was it? Uh, revolving door, yeah, like higher and fire. If um, yep. you know, it's it looked some of the best players in in the country that played through the Chris Turner band. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it, it, I can't remember. On my website, christerner.com.au, there's yeah. a list of the ones I can remember. Yeah, gotcha. Um, but I tried to use, you know, keep the band as professional and, and stable as I could.
0: Yeah. So,
1: so, a few guys didn't work out, but most of the players, you know, like Nick Cox from Tattoo, oh, Pete yeah. Wells, yeah. Ronnie Peel. Yeah. Uh, Johnny Dick. Um, well, there's a few names. They've they have all been
0: through my band, yeah, you yeah. know. Well, let um, what well, what happens in between. So what you know, so we we've got what's happening in 80 and the, that band's playing around for another 2 or 3 years and doing whatever. But we've got that period 80 to 90 and cuz our next yeah. record comes out Exile in 90. Yes,
1: that's right.
0: Yeah. What did you do for the other 5 years, 6 years there?
1: I'll just I was working around. I um, I started a um, a course in Rich Studios a guitar course, a professional yeah. guitar course. Yes. Um, we had day students and night students. Yes. And I did that for for a year or so. Yeah. I was also um, working with different bands. The eighties, Scattered Aces with Ronnie Peel.
0: Yes. And
1: Keith yeah. Morgan. Yeah. Um,
0: Paul DiMarco. Yeah. Um, so there was a yeah. So there was a lot of other side projects happening outside of just oh, Chris yes. Turner or the Chris Turner band.
1: Correct. Well, the Chris Turner band was always there when I wasn't doing something else. Yeah, that's that's yeah. the thing. Yeah. And um, because my business partner, Big Rock Phil Shoot.
0: Yeah.
1: He's, um, I mean, he calls himself Phil Simmons, but um, he was an agent and was booking stuff. So I had control of the bookings. Yes. Um, very much so that so that if I knew I wasn't going to be playing with, say, Tattoo, I mean, I joined, I've worked with Stevie Wright. Yeah. Uh, Jeff St. John, I did. Yes. Um, who else? Oh.
0: Well, uh, well, tell me, you know, and I'm looking here at Exile and tell me there's a song on there called Jack the Ripper. Now, that's a beauty. Yes, and yes. I mean, that surely has got to, you know, um, be a backdrop for the industry, Jack the Ripper. I mean, but you could tell me it's totally different, you know.
1: Well, no, actually, Jack the Ripper was done by, uh, when I was a kid, I saw a band called Screaming Lord Sat. Such and the Savages, and Screaming Lord Such was a real exhibitionist. Uh, The club that I saw him in 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 London, he was carried by his sax players, he was carried down the stairs and thrown on the stage in a coffin, and he'd leap out of the coffin with a top hat and tails and set fire to something and one of his big songs that the whole crowd go nuts was Jack the Ripper because you can imagine that 200 people yelling out Jack the Ripper they loved it <laughs> well you know <laughs> so, yeah go on I, well, well when I worked, I was recording with Alan Lancaster from Status Quo yeah in his studio and yeah. I said you remember Jack the Ripper he said oh yeah said, let's do that so we did it you know that, that was how that
0: came about well you know because he loved the song like I did you know? well the song before it called boomerang babe now it's, yeah it's a very unusual song it's not typical of what you do and no. it, to this day uh, I, I could probably look it up now it's getting airplay i think i told you it's in portugal or finland or somewhere <laughs> oh, and, and it's getting it gets streams every day so someone's picked it up up there okay and, oh, and, it, and it you know essentially is is it a bit of a fun song? Because it's it's not yeah, yeah. reminiscent of what you do.
1: No, look, um, someone had said to me, Why don't you write some Aussie songs? That's all that happened. Yeah. So I can do that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that's what happens, yeah, well yeah, you the, there you go the funniest songs get going no so we we have exile that comes out rob right? so now yes. from exile onwards we really start you start let, let's call it the 90s onwards you really start to ramp up what you're releasing okay Yes. you're obviously doing a lot of recording uh we've got guitar stories volume one yes you're right then we go to uh we've got double header okay with phil uh phil is that uh
1: similar Phil
0: Simmons, or Phil, yeah. Phil, well,
1: it's Phil, yeah. my, my um, mate. I also did Natural Born Trucker with Trucking Bell.
0: That's exactly right, and and that's out there, so it's, a, you know, country.
1: And that route. went really well, you Yeah, know? I mean, that was, um, we did tours to Brisbane and, um, we got so much airplay with that. It was, yeah, yeah that
0: absolutely. was a real good player. You know, and then, yeah. you know, we've got Rocks here that's come out a few years ago. Then we've got Rock and Roll Man, which is all your favourite, uh, you've, you know, done a, a covers album of your favourite songs. Um, yeah. And, and again, Tush, you know, being the one that's getting all the um, the streams there. Uh, all right. You yeah, you're yeah, good. And, um, yeah. You know, then we've got some singles because we ended as lovers and then we've got another album, Back to My Future. Then we've got another one, which is Old Rock and Roller, which is, you know, it's in process of all being released right now. Uh, And you've got a new album again. So, you know, you become quite prolific in I suppose the second half of your career, um, or in the last in the last hurdle of your career, you know, because you and me are in our tail end. Um, yes, that's right. Yeah. And so, you know, you you know, how do you find that? Do you find that you're a lot more prolific now with your writing, or is it because you have a studio in your home, so therefore it makes it more convenient? I mean, why become so much more prolific with your original releases now?
1: Um probably because i'm not touring like i was and gigging because gigging is is i find gigging takes away the soul of the writing because um, oh. you can't sort of sit around and contemplate yeah uh, which is what you need for lyrics and ideas for the music yeah and also uh, i've always had a studio um you know probably a couple of years there in um, in new zealand where i didn't but um but I've it is a big studio.
0: It is a big. This isn't just a for people listening. This isn't just a home studio. This is a full setup. <clears throat> I
1: mean, yeah. oh yeah, yeah.
0: You know, uh, yeah. um It is. You're fully laden up with a full studio.
1: Yeah, well, it's it's as much as I can keep it up to date, and um, I mean, I've got um, I've got the guitars and amps that I need, and uh, you know, I've, I've got I've got a circle of friends. I mean, I've got. Number of drummers and bass players yeah. and keyboard players that I can call on, and you know, we've got a quite a good team. I mean, oh, and don't it forget, it take us long to
0: do well. Don't forget, you've put out the two blues records with um, uh, Alex, yeah. Alex Smith, uh, so yes. you know, you've got those, but as you said, there's the scattered aces, there's all these other side projects. Oh, the Blues Pirates, also with blues Cletus, Pirates, yeah. um, yes, you know, so you've you've got so, but let's. So what what is your love of music? So where does your love of music sit in its genre?
1: Um, well, look, I love rock and roll. Um, if it makes you move, I'm not a fan of funky music. Mm. Um, if, if it makes me tap my foot, it, it's it's rocking. Mm. I mean there's, there's a local band up here called The Flight, and boy are they good yeah. and when they start to rock and roll they've got me and uh, yeah. you know it, it's just I, I love that and uh, when I used to watch the, uh, the Small Faces or mm. you know Steve Marich's Moment David Bowie the one thing they all had in common is they were rocking they were cooking mm. however you want to say it. Mm. Uh, it it just picked you up and lifted you had to move that is Quo Mm. I mean, playing playing in the studio with Alan was an experience because he's a rock player, mm. and he'd lift the whole the whole room would be rocking. Mm. That's what I love mainly. You know, and then I, the sixth,
0: we, you know, yeah, I, I, I saw um, I watched a video on YouTube the other day, and it, and, it, and we'll talk about this in a sec. But um, and it was T Rex. Now it was it was a show. It was a matinee show, and uh, so it would have been mid seventies. And um, anyway, I didn't. It was just. Absolutely fantastic, and I didn't realise that T Rex was such a good lead guitarist. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So I didn't, I didn't realise that. I thought he's more a singer. And, you know, he played guitar, but he would always have a lead player. But no, he did. You know, I think that with what we have available, you know, with social media and with everything digitally these days, I I, I do remember this show because I tried to get it on DVD. It came out once. His son had put it out about 20 years ago. Oh, right. Yeah. And then it disappeared and you couldn't get it anymore. and but i think now with the digital age everything's becoming so much more possible now there's the downside of the digital and there's the upside yeah you know, so i get the story all the time chris what what's yeah. the story the story is well you know it was you know we could make money when we had our, our vinyl and when we had our cds and but that is for a certain generation and the thing is now with young people, um, they know how to social media, they know how to viral their product, and they can make a lot of money, a lot of money in music. So it's still there. The problem for us has been, in my opinion, is that we, because we appeal to an older audience, that older audience haven't got across social media enough, they don't really stream, and they don't search out anything new. So if they do anything, they remember David Bowie. So they're going to play David Bowie or they're going to play Status Quo or they're going to play Kiss or whatever. They don't go looking for anything new. They don't experiment. Whereas young kids, as soon as they hear something that they like, they send it to their friend who sends it to their friend who sends it to their friend. And that's what doesn't happen with the older generation. But, you know, how do you feel about everything because you've seen it now right through your whole entire career.
1: Well, it, it, uh, look, I would say, to be cruel, it's, it's the same circus, just different clowns. The um, You know, like my first deal with RCA Victor mm. um, was um, 3% of 90%. Yeah, And I've got a check on my studio wall for 35 cents mm. that started off at $700. Mm. Minus this, minus that, divided there and this. So, I mean, that was a deposit of on a house seven hundred dollars mm. in those days. Mm. And it came down to thirty five cents. So nothing's really changed. No. The only thing that changed for me was that I had my own record label and um, everything I was told or we sold collectively kept us in business. Yeah. But um, unless you get real hit record, I mean in the old days we we're all on the same level really, aren't we? Oh, you? Oh
0: know? no 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 doubt about it. And you know, um, I I do get it all the time. I get it. It's, it's like a, it's like a, uh, a scratched record. It keeps coming back to me, you know. But oh, we made so much money, you know. And and I say it honestly to a lot. I go, I want you to be honest with me. Did you make much money with vinyl? And they go quiet. And I thought, well, you didn't have a hit, so I know you didn't make much money. That's With CDs, did you make a lot of money? Well, I go a bit quiet now. Okay, because you didn't have a hit, so you didn't make much money. You might have sold a few right. gigs, but that's it. And, you know, nothing nothing has really changed in that sense. What we used to do and spend in marketing and promo back then, you used to spend in marketing and promo online. There is a free part of it if you're good at social media. Yep. I think you're right, but we need to be very cognizant that what hasn't changed is the creative um, talents that come out of the individual and are released you know that just doesn't change you still got to write and write and write good material you can't write yep. crap and you know here you are still recording material and putting it out at your age that's a testament and doesn't seem to be dying down at all I think you'll be uh, you'll be putting stuff out till the day you can play guitar yeah
1: well I mean that's, that's my feelings exactly that uh, this is what I've done all my life and why should I stop because the industry is changing around me mm. and And uh, I have to pep talk quite a few of the guys around me who are um, really despondent. But uh, nothing much has changed. And I, I point to this check... On my studio, yeah. it,
0: it's the same. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Ab- absolutely, yeah. I think you're right on, and they just need to remember that. What happens is there's too much of oh, back back in the day. Uh, you know, who wants to hear, oh, yes. who wants to hear that? Back in the day. You know, we're here today. If we if I went back now to the beginning of this interview with you, and we're talking about that young guy that was in England you know, seeing David Bowie and Frampton and Marriott playing. I mean, what a rich history or a rich life of... um uh, soaking in creative talent throughout your whole career yeah. and who you've worked well, if,
1: with. If you learn, if you learn one thing, off each of those guys, and I, I certainly did, because they were probably a year or two older than me. Mm. Um, if you learn one thing, you know, that that's something else you carry. Mm. You know, absolutely. Um, I uh, I don't know whether you've heard the new album, or new no, not new now by by Jeff Beck and um,
0: no, what was his name
1: Johnny Depp. The guy is right up. At the spear point of, of music, still, I mean, he's dead now, unfortunately. Mm. But mm. that guy is, and his producers, of course, um, the the album is marvellous, and is in in its um, creativity and its its um, innovation mm. of studio techniques. I mean, Jeff Beck playing digitally, which. Mm up until very recently I wouldn't look at but I am now yeah. um, he's, he's still pushing the envelope and yeah. to me that's fantastic I mean obviously he's got a huge market and bigger than mine but um, it doesn't stop me or the people around me pushing the envelope too we,
0: what, what's the problem you know I I agree so you know and I, I think you do have to be cognizant that when you're uh, putting material together you do know that there there is a commercial audience and there's a non-commercial audience and most, yeah. most punters out there have been educated by radio over the last 50 years and therefore they only have a kind of a one-track mind in a lot of the music they're listening to it's a very few that go off and experiment um, and it I, I suppose it doesn't change now with the young bands in that they um, you, you, listeners get conditioned with social media because that's where they get it all and, again, yes. it's, you know, OK, a playlist today is what radio was 30 years ago. We don't rate radio today. We only rate playlists because that's where you get your listens from. Yes. You have to be very cognizant that, that that is where it is today and that's where we, we head towards. With radio, you know, uh, friends being in radio, radio in Australia doesn't break new music anymore. And for a good no, reason, because they've got to make money themselves, and the listener doesn't yeah, want to hear. Yeah, I mean, a young, you might my kids who are twenty three now, they haven't listened to radio, I don't think ever. They don't even know what you know, radio. Like, what are you talking about? It yeah, does well,
1: mine, mine too. Yeah.
0: Right? So it doesn't even yeah. come into their mind. So, and if. I don't know if you put on the radio. I put it on in the car the other day and it was the most boring shit I'd ever heard. And so I had to turn it off and put one of my playlists on, you know.
1: Yes. Because There's another point, Then, like Most of the people who are my age don't know how to put their music into their car yeah. because they've got new cars That's right. with no CD players. Yep. They haven't got a clue. And I say, well, you can link it to your phone, yep. through your Bluetooth or your whatever, Um and you got a stick. You can put your favourite music on it. Oh, what are you talking about? They don't know how to do it. So they're they're almost forgetting about music because they don't know how to put it in their car. I, agree. I agree
0: with that. Two hundred percent. You know, they, right? So I mean, um, you've, lost a, you, yes. you've yes. lost a whole audience. Yes, you've lost a whole audience there, right? Uh, but you know what I do is uh, I put the play, playlist together, but um, they're basically all alike because Laneway's so big now. You know. Even just even touching on it, I've got six hour playlists and, you know, and that's just a a tip of the iceberg. And so I listen to that and I just listen while I'm driving around and I kind of go, wow, what a rich bunch of talent and guys that we've got on laneway you know and you, you go yeah, through it yeah, yeah, and yeah and you know and, and there is your radio station you stream that yeah you, you get paid for it okay it's a 0.001 of a cent i mean we are um i've said this before in interviews we are getting ready to launch a new platform laneway and we will yeah, yeah. it will be so much better for the artists and whatever and we have high hopes for it uh, because we don't know no matter I, I mean i want to use the term well the head of the head of Spotify, who uh, started Spotify, who's the CEO, who they you know, sold, I think he owns forty percent now, or twenty percent. Yeah. Uh, this guy not only made all the money by selling his shares in that business, but he's on twenty-four million dollars a year. Now, how? how could someone be on twenty-four million dollars a year? And we know that the artists get paid zip. Then there's thousands of employees, and I ask you. What are all those employees doing? You know, we know with AI, they'll probably all get the sack anyway. Um, It's a joke. But you got got that going. So we, we actually don't know. We'll never know what Spotify really make and why we get paid those low amounts. Now, remember, the major labels are in cahoots with them because they did the confidential deals okay yes. so you what you work were work. talking about i want this for the young listeners what you were talking about your first deal was three and a half percent i can assure you buffalo's was three <laughs> percent right? yes. if you look at that it's no different now it's all the fat daddies making the money all the way down the musician who's the creative talent who's actually supported their lifestyle the executive's lifestyle we get yes. that, He or she gets nothing. Yes. And that that's what's got to change. You know, you can't have people on millions of dollars. The, 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 this whole thing of the dis- disparity between, you know, salaries and when people are on five million bucks or two and a half million dollars, I think to myself. But that just means they're surrounded by good people because if they're any good... They'd have their own company anyway. They wouldn't be, you know, in a company being paid two, three, four, five, six, seven million dollars. They'd have their own business. How could they make those kind of decisions? Show me a decision they've made that's worth that kind of money. So then you get... Well, uh,
1: and the the, the other thing that you're you're, you're getting to is that the general happiness of the population and everything will be a lot happier if things are a little bit more even. Mm. I mean, I'm saying you should get rewards for hard work. I mean, I'm all into that, but maybe a little bit more... um, you know spread spread it
0: a bit thinner you know absolutely you know, spread it out more and in the music industry is one of those ones where it's always been the same the majors just making a fortune and the artists except for the you know one or two percent at the top making all the money and yes Nobody, but, you know, I, I'll, I'll just drag it back to where I started, is that, you know, we don't know, you know, I couldn't really tell you what you earned through us with Spotify in the, you know, 0. 0.0002 cents of a dollar, you know, for every stream and the different, then there's, different levels because there'll be the advertising based stream there'll be the premium stream and you know and on we go we'll just yep. muddy the waters even further you know yep. and so you know I I don't see anything's changed there it's all the same but what What is the same is the creative talents of the people developing music. Of course, I had some people recently going, "Are you worried about AI and music?" I just burst out laughing. I thought, well, if you know, I'm sure AI will develop some music and do what it's doing. But then, you've got to have the creative talents too, and you make your music. And you know, otherwise, aren't we we're heading towards a Terminator society, where it's all run by robots? Um, you know. Yeah. I mean, you know, it just, all <laughs> yeah. that all that stuff goes on, and you think, "Well, come on, it's still get down there and write a song." Let's not talk about yeah, it. Just, a, just do it.
1: Yeah. Well, that's the conversation I'm having with a number of my friends who are sort of scratching their heads and yelling at this. You're Looking at the sky, and um, oh, but I think, guys, it's look at that check on the wall it, that it nothing's changed
0: exactly. Um,
1: you just got to make music that does your heart good mm. and keep going. What are you? you am I going to change professions now? Mm. I mean, you know, what am I going to do now? No, you know, no, I, mean, I do right. what I do,
0: no, that's you right. know, so, so yeah, look, and that's why we're looking. You got a whole new album coming, um, yeah, um. You tell me it's a little bit noisy bastard, so it's going to be a little bit more rockier. Is that the case than the last
1: one? Yes. Yes. I'm trying to push the envelope um, um, because you know we we don't need another 12 bar blues and we don't need another silly pop song so mm. I've, I've tried to do the lyrics a bit bit deeper we've done this this tune for Julian Assange.
0: now when's um, that now when's that coming out in the next week or so isn't it?
1: So as soon as you give me the uh, film clip back we'll we'll send it to her indoors uh, in, yeah. in england yeah and then the, you can put the single out whenever you like yeah.
0: um, well, i think dan's working it, on that so you should have something in the next couple of on it
1: oh okay right. oh wow okay yes I'll get it off to her um, and um, yeah the noisy bastards, um later in the year we rob and I have mixed it we've just now what I'm doing is pushing the envelope a bit I'm getting a little bit more creative using some of the electronic gadgets that are around. I've always recorded fairly cleanly and, you know, a bit of delay, a bit of echo. Um, But now I'm pushing it a bit. Um, You'll hear some different guitar sounds. Are these
0: as as plugins on the software? Yes.
1: Yes. I've um, I've got... good stuff that I've never used because I wasn't sort of thinking that but um, I've heard a number of albums recently where the recordings are um, heavily drenched with effects yeah yeah. Um, and I've played it to my kids who are 30 yeah um, they seem to like it. So, um, anyway, we are just, you know, nothing ventured, nothing gained.
0: Oh, absolutely. Now it's all about just get out as much product as you can because it's enjoy ourselves. Um, yes. you know, it's, I, as you I, said, it's not about making money now. No, no.
1: Look, I've got an album that is nearly finished that I've done with Alex Smith hmm. killer Kellett, Rob Groster and myself is a very good album but um, Alex is not looking like he's coming back to Australia anytime soon so right. I might re- release that through you and just do it as a bunch of singles if you like
0: yeah now, is that now is that back to what the other one was the old blue dogs
1: no this is much more commercial
0: all right, no, let's go, get it out, just get it out and let's have Cause some
1: fun. Because it's just sitting here, um, yeah, yeah, right, yeah, that's the way I feel, because Alex um, is stuck in Italy, really, yeah. you know, at the moment.
0: Yeah, 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 I mean... There's
1: moving pictures uh, aren't going to raise their heads, you
0: know. I mean, I, I, I myself are playing with three different artists and, you know... And are you? Just, yeah. yeah, yeah, so it's just, let's have fun, let's get it out uh, and... Um, you know, it's, it's not about the money anymore. I'm, I'm on the tail end. So it's about have fun, um, be proud of what you're putting out and, you know, and enjoy the new environment that we, we work in as musicians, Chris, because it yeah. is here to stay. Nothing's going to change. He's it's not going here. to go backwards. Exactly. Yep. So we need to embrace it. You know, You know, Chris, I get up in the morning and I look at the statistics of Stream. So, you know, you might be one of them. I go there. I need to see whether there's been any spikes. Um, and then during the day, there's some social media posts. Then at night, before I go to bed, I need to do more social media posts. So we do those. And then yep. the next day, we have to review those, but we've got to do the same thing. And it happened day in, day out, you know. Um, And you know, it's you got to love your music to do it. I get excited when you say I've got a new song for you, Vince. It's in the OneDrive. Man, I can't wait to download that thing and have a listen to it. And I do that with all the artists. It's yeah, great. Yeah, to 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 go. Well, I wonder what this one sounds like, and to be the first one to hear it. You know, essentially outside of your close group. And that's what's exciting. I mean, you know, we're working with Cletus. He's, you know, got a new site. He's sending me two or three to listen to to see which one we release next. Yeah. And, coming in next week to, yeah. to finish his stuff off. Yeah, Very good. exciting, you know. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, Rob Gross is sending us, as you know. Rob's sending a, a new album over. Um, yep. You know, so it's just, it's, you know, and uh, who who are the other guys? The Durnham Project, which come by you guys. Oh,
1: Durnham, yeah, you know, yeah,
0: as I call the 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 oldest guys in the business. And you listen <laughs> to it, you know, it's all our granddads there, and man, it sounds fantastic. I mean, just fantastic, and it goes yeah. to show you, we why should we stop doing anything, Chris? Well, that's
1: what I say. It's too late to change professions now, isn't it? Yeah, uh, you know, yeah, yeah.
0: pick pick up. Pick
1: Actually, I, uh, I was rehearsing a new band last night called the uh, Runaway Train. So,
0: oh yeah. Um, oh, so what's the recordings. Well have, st-
1: recording? Well, it, I'm trying to do it like really uh, fast rock and roll. Yeah. Okay. Uh, like rock and roll. Um, but are we talking. Are we
0: talking what? Uh, 50s, 60s rock and roll? Or are we talking? Um, what um, rock and roll seventies. um
1: No, 50s, 60s but right. played now.
0: Right, okay.
1: Um, it's hard to explain what I'm trying to achieve with it, but yeah. um once we start recording it, I'll send you a couple of snippets, to yeah. see what you think. But yeah, runaway right train more or less sums up what the music is.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, and, uh,
1: uh, it's not rockabilly or anything like that. It, it's 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 heavy. It's it's rock. It's yeah. loud.
0: Yeah. I mean, Um, we know you as a lead guitarist. That's what you're known as. So that's what we expect from you. You know, we expect... I mean, it's like Joe Bonamassa. I mean, you, you get yeah. what you expect. He doesn't he doesn't change. Kiss were the same. They always said that. We knew what we were. Yeah. We weren't going to change. ACDC have always said it, as we all know. Well, they were great, weren't they? I you, mean, yeah, Angus always says, we had a formula. We've never changed it. And why should we change it? He goes, that's what our punters want. And so that's what we deliver. And it's just the same. Yeah. Each album's the same. Yeah. And we love it. You
1: know? yeah that was i I had a funny experience with them they were the boys were at my house um having a cup of tea or whatever and um and I told them about Steve Marriott. Said to me, I was talking to him, saying, so, you know, giving him compliments on his band and his singing and whatever. And uh, mm. he said, it's a gap swap rock. <laughs> and they quoted me in that book. I did that, <laughs> yeah, but it was it was actually Steve Marriott who said it to me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's fantastic. But uh. that's it easy It's a, the it's a gap that, that just, just you know, they, you know they're the past masters. You, you
0: know, they've kept it to, just kept it together. It's the same, same old, same old, and that's what their audience love. So why would you change that? I mean, it's interesting. And if you think about them too, you get the you know you get other artists who go, I I need to I need to develop. I need to you know you know get on with what I am and who I am and whatever. Now I'm not saying that. Every record is exactly the same with ACDC. They definitely in, in, you know enhance it and develop, but yeah. the basis of what they do is the same, as opposed to other artists which change their style so much all the time. And then, well, they're
1: trying to do a bit of everything, aren't they? You know, it's, yeah. it's you know it's just
0: do what you do you know exactly you know if you're good at something that's Joe Bonamassa has said that he goes i know what i'm good at and i just stick to it All right and and that's that and he delivers anyway it's been good talking to you we're looking forward to your new record and um you know, you. We still call it records, isn't thats is that an interesting thing?
1: Isn't that It's isn't a record not? of what you've done? <laughs> There's
0: no, no such thing as a record. Um, <laughs> yes, but, you know, we're looking, looking forward to it. And, you know, um, you. and plenty more records too from you, Chris. And as you said, yes. you've got one there with Alex Smith just sitting there. Uh, yeah,
1: and, and this new runaway train will be yeah. available early and was next there, year. And is
0: there more Blues Pirates coming too?
1: Yes, uh, Clevis is um coming up next week um, we're, we're going to do that it's just, um, crazy. just crazy. yeah we've, we've got a few tracks down already so it's just a case of um, uh, you know what Clevis is like he's like catalogue bricks and um, yeah. you know I've just got to grab him when he goes past yeah
0: exactly <laughs> no and, and for everybody listening to you know you've had some injuries to your hands in the sand well not injuries but you've had hand issues and uh, you know obviously I think I suppose because you play so much guitar and you're getting over all of those kind of things too and, um, you know, you just keep powering on.
1: Chris? Yeah, well, um, when I put the phone down here, I'm going to load my gear up and go to Miss Sealy's, which is a blues club, and do a gig tonight. So. Well, in
0: that case, we'll let you go and we'll talk to you soon, OK? Thanks, Vince. OK. Thanks, Chris. Bye. Bye. And there it is, another Laneway Talks. If you enjoyed that, there's more. Just search Laneway Talks for more great conversations. G'day folks, Mark Allen here and The Ox, David Schwartz uh, And we've started a brand new podcast called A Couple of Blokes, A Couple of Beers And we're just chewing the fat A Couple of Blokes, Couple of Beers With Ox and Marco I'm thinking about whitening my teeth just so when I smile There's a new episode every Wednesday Have you got a weight issue? Of course I do <laughs> It's a stupid loaded question <laughs> A Couple of Blokes, Couple of Beers With David Schwartz and Mark Allen I'm eating the kids' Maltese You're piece eating their of- Christmas present I am a piece of garbage <laughs> Listen
1: wherever you get your podcast.